0: Hello, and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski, and today I am talking to Mays Imad, who's a professor of pathophysiology and biomedical ethics. And we're talking about the impact of COVID generally on our bodies and minds, but particularly on our brains and how it might impact the ability to learn and process information, and therefore what that means for PhD students. There's so much good stuff in here from um, how to invest in your own well-being in this time um, to the process of the the PhD itself and that kind of that transitional and transformative process that it is. um, And also ending with the importance of wonder. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Mays. Oh, Maze. Hi. I am so so excited that you're here in fact I'm a little bit starstruck actually because I, I was so I was really fortunate to be able to come um, onto one of your um, webinars which was about coping with Covid as a, as a university lecturer and like the kind of crisis and how to work well with students and I was just really struck not only by the the quality of the of the scientific data that you were sharing but also the real compassion with which you came to the to the subject matter and so I'm so delighted that you said yes to come and talk um to us here because I know that that COVID and the pandemic and all that that has brought um has meant that lots of PhD students are are struggling at the moment in this Mm -hmm. strange world we find ourselves in so thank you so much for um being here with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me and for making time for
0: this topic. Yeah, it's just, it's so important, isn't it? It's just, it's mm-hmm. so important for so many people. Um, and so we'll get, we'll, we'll kind of get deeper into um, the issue of the pandemic and the effect of that in a, in a minute, but I always start with asking people about their own experience um, of graduate study and how they got into into their research field So could you tell us a little bit about your journey?
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you for asking. So I actually, um, it wasn't a traditional journey where I was majoring in science as an undergrad. Um, I was actually majoring in philosophy and it was philosophy that piqued my interest in the brain. And It was, it was more than an interest. I really wanted to, to go deep into understanding um, our, I guess, consciousness at that time. I was really fascinated by what makes us us. And, and so I went to graduate school to pursue a degree in cellular and clinical neurobiology. And in terms of my experience, um, you know, it it was a tough one because Mm. I came from the humanities and I very kind of abruptly switched to the um, the STEM and um, it was rigorous. Um, It was also very, I think with a lot of, a lot of um, PhDs, it's very focused and um, that is, that's, that's uh, I guess supposed to be that way, but it was also, um, I also struggled integrating the information I was learning about my project with everything outside. Um, and I also very much struggled with the lack of integration of the humanities, the art, the music, the poetry, into STEM and um, and I had a lot of my own, uh, just struggles, my own personal struggles with um, with the rigor, and also the um, when we experience certain certain uh, trauma in our in our personal lives, how. Um, how difficult it is to leave that behind before we go into a lab or into a, an office and, and continue our schoolwork. So yes, I was navigating yes. a lot of that.
0: Yes, yeah. so I think it's really strange, isn't it, that we kind of this this imagination that we are just kind of brains on a stick and, of, of course, we're not. Of course, everything that's around us is impacting mm-hmm. how, how we are. yeah. Um, yeah so that so yeah i mean i was struck with that that real switch as you say um from from one side can we say to the other um yeah, yeah. And Although then, there should be no side. No, exactly. I mean, be, That's what I'm saying. Shall we say? Because actually, yeah. that sense of integration and uh, is is really important. And I think there is more interdisciplinary conversation um, now, which is brilliant to see. I'd Like you to just finish off, if you would, that that journey because you're now the professor of pathophysiology and biomedical, by bi- biomedical rather ethics. Mm-hmm. So, so you 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 came from that humanities background, had the STEM training, and and then and then what?
1: And then I did actually an eight years postdoc, um, wow. and it was during that postdoc that I began to. I had a fellowship from the National Institute of Health, and the fellowship is a is a uh, is a research slash teaching. So I had the opportunity to also um, to teach, and I did not know, uh, nor did I expect that I. That that's what I wanted to do, and I really fell in love with being in the classroom and working with students. Mm-hmm. And it was during my um, my my early years of teaching that I began to see myself in the students and um, the the chronic stress that they were carrying, and the the and how. Um, I guess it took me back to when I was a student and how what we were, we as in like the capital, we higher ed are expecting is not reasonable um, for them to complementalize and to learn. And so then um, after I finished my postdoc, I started, I took a full time position and I started teaching, but I was always interested in how can we optimize the opportunity to learn? How can I, how can I optimize my, my capacity to learn? And what does it mean to have an optimal learning environment? So that got me into researching the, um, the, the relationship between stress and learning. And that, that, you know, the question became led to more question of, of how do we regulate our, our stress response how can we be aware of it and and so yeah in Mm. a nutshell
0: Mm. that's (laughs) just really really interesting I think and I think that that falling in love with teaching I think is well certainly where I found myself I think lots of people find that real passion and that feel real love in in being with students learning with their students and -hmm. I think also that's really important to remember if you're on a phd journey and you're looking to kind of join faculty that actually that that will be an important part of your life if you're feeling isolated if you're feeling that um your research is is um very insular that actually you may be through that door stepping into a very different kind of work actually Mm -hmm. as you become as you Mm -hmm. as you teach and um, learn with your students Um, gorgeous thank you for that i think people find it really helpful to know how people found themselves and and, and found where they where they wanted to be Mm -hmm. um so you you started to talk then about stress and learning and that is your that's your real expertise and um we are of course we find ourselves in very stressful times yeah um and I know I found it really helpful to hear you talk about the way in which trauma impacts the body and impacts the brain. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about that before we go to think particularly how that might, this, this um, pandemic might be impacting PhD students particularly.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we know that stress can be good and it can be bad. And what I mean by good is... Uh, stress is a physiological response to something that, that um, I guess, disrupts our homeostasis. And so that could be something as simple as you um, get up in the morning and you have a job interview. That job interview, you're preparing for it and you're a little bit stressed. But um, but in this case, that stress is not overwhelming. That stress is going to actually help us focus. It's going to um it's going to enhance our performance. We're I am interested in in this in the stress that is actually going to hinder our ability to perform, to do well. And that stress is either it's referred to as chronic stress or traumatic stress or toxic stress. And this is the type of stress that it, it kind of it really agitates our homeostasis. And we don't go back to that homeostasis easily. And, and so it's, it's there um, for a long time. It is overwhelming. It sends us into this, This we stay in a either hypervigilant or hyper or hypo uh, aroused state. And so what we know with that stress is it impacts every organ in our body, including the brain. And what it does to the brain is basically the brain is concerned with keeping us alive. And so the brain is about, it's it's, it's constantly doing, if you will, Cost-benefit analysis: Is this safe? Is this not safe? Do I engage? Do I not engage? And so, and so when I when my brain feels that it is under, um, it's overwhelmed. This is very stressful. This is uncertain. What happens? The brain, the the connection. The brain is going to prioritize survival over learning, and so actually signals that go to the prefrontal cortex that go to cortical region are going to slow down. And we stay stuck in the limbic system and in the, um, in the brainstem region, you know, those two regions are, they are they are concerned with the questions of, am I loved? Am I safe? Do I have food? Am I secure? Right. Mm-hmm. And so what I often say, And again, it was working with my students that helped me have that aha moment and think back to my graduate school years. It's not that I wasn't studying. It's not that the students are not studying or motivated. It's that the the processing capacity of the brain has been hijacked by emotions and emotions are a response
0: to that stress. Yeah. And because I think that, It certainly is. A lot of people are are saying to me, kind of, you know, I just can't focus. I'm trying to get on. I just can't focus. And and I think what you're talking about there is helping to kind of explain physiologically. Mm -hmm. It's not that they're doing something wrong, it's that they're in a a physiological state. We're we're finding ourselves, as you say, hyper vigilant, really Mm -hmm. aware of potential things happening. And Mm -hmm. um, also, hypo aroused you know some people are just taking to their beds that's it that's that's how they're going to deal with this
1: yeah Uh, yeah and it's a defense mechanism it is um and and what I tell my student is um if if in order for us to process something information needs to get to the different parts of the brain and if that information is not getting there, then that part of the brain is not going to be able to process that. Mm. And what happens when we're under that toxic stress, um, the the information is rerouted. It stays within that limbic system. And so we just, the prefrontal cortex is, is cut off in a way.
0: Mm. Mm. So that limbic system is that very kind of basic brain um yes. that that isn't yeah. going to be doing the 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 deep thinking mm-hmm. that um the the phd student is is wanting to do yes, yes. so so, let, so let's I'm, i think i'm i'm preempting you a little bit here cuz I I, let's talk then in particular about how this um cuz this is happening to everybody um, but how in particular might it be impacting phd students and 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 how might they cope with that?
1: Yeah. So they're, they're, it, is, it is impacting all of us. It is impacting students. It is impacting, I would say, when we experience trauma, we, we experience a sense of um, lack of safety, um, disconnection,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and. And there is this this, um, sometimes subtle fear that the nervous system is experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of graduate students, I mean, every student is going to be different, of course, but I think back and I think um, there's a timeline that they need to collect data, analyze the data, Mm -hmm. uh, present it, have a dissertation. And so they're working against the clock. Because there's, it's tied to funding, it's tied to the PI, and so on.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, anytime we are dealing with trauma and we are presented with a timeline, it, it's it's too hard on the brain. And I'm seeing it with myself. I'm seeing it with colleagues where they they say, "I can't deal with the pressure of deadlines. I can't deal." Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, at the same
1: mm-hmm. time, what happens because we're feeling overwhelmed, we slow down cognitively we slow down and sometimes they're not going to people are not going to slow down sometimes people are going to be very sharp and very right but the body is going to experience certain things Mm -hmm. and so for 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 students they they probably they i think they may experience this this feeling overwhelmed feeling disconnected feeling disenchanted um and, and also, and, and also feeling perhaps bad, you know, why am I not able to do this? What's wrong with what's going on and so on.
0: Just, yeah, I'm going to talk about that, that sense of, of the, against the clock and the panic. I think that that's certainly lots of people have been talking to me about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, that kind of that sense of that extra pressure and what, how is how to deal with that, how to deal with that pressure.
1: Yeah, so you know, I wanna say we we know that the brain has, if you will, pain network and it has reward network. And we know that there are certain activities when we engage in them or when we encounter them, they're gonna activate the pain network. This is we feel, this is when we feel isolated, when we feel rejected. Um conversely there are other activities if I send you just a random email and I say Emma I'm just thinking of you and I want to say I appreciate you I hope you're doing well I know you're busy you don't need to reply um where I'm intentionally connecting with someone else and letting them know that I care about them or if I um engage if I, if I go for a walk or if I um, play with my with my pet or if I eat prepare a meal and eat it and, and so on. those are things that will engage the, the reward network. And what the reward network is going to do it's going to release um, certain chemicals that help us relax, such mm. as dopamine and oxytocin and endorphins and, and serotonin. What we want to do we want to relax the nervous system so we could feel at ease so we could engage in the material nice. right what I then what I'm saying is that remember I said the the prefrontal cortex is not receiving information because it's stuck in the limbic system and it's stuck in the limbic system because the, the the pain network, if you will, or this fear is activated. What I want to do is I want to establish some connections that are going to ease that fear, mm. negotiate that fear. And in a way, I'm tricking the nervous system to, to allow information to go to the cortex. I love
0: that. I love that I love that I do and I also love that even as you were saying about you know the sending the email and the eating that I I could just feel myself relaxing even the thought of that Mm -hmm. and those Mm -hmm. is that kind of sensory Mm -hmm. pleasure too isn't it that sense of of really of of calming yourself Mm -hmm. and 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 I I love that the, the kind of the, the scientific explanation too, because I know that I, I can hear people going, but I've not got time to do that because I've got to get on. And actually, as you're saying, okay. it, it it's a false economy in time. If you keep battling through, actually, as you say, the information is not going there anyway. Right, <laughs> so you right. Need to take the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. it's It's an investment in one's well-being.
0: Yeah.
1: So in the long term, that person can actually um, it, it becomes you know, So the first time I, I go into this fight or flight, um, and there is no imminent immediate threat, but something in the background triggered me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, after a while, when we learn to pay attention to that, and there are things that have been that have been documented and people study them that we could do, we can engage in certain things to help us calm down. And mm. this could be something as mace, this is not an immediate threat, or it could be something as listening to music or breathing, or it's it's in a way, it's just tricking the nervous system. It's asking the nervous system to just, can you look in this direction and not in that direction?
0: I love that. I love that. And that people will find their own, their own thing, their own pleasure, their right. own way of, of being calmer mm-hmm. um, and caring for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. just to acknowledge that situation, to acknowledge the, the slowness and the the fogginess of mind is, is part of this situation. That's that's where you're at. Oh, there was a brilliant um, thing going around saying you know you don't have to be super productive in a global pandemic. <laughs> um,
1: well, I think especially with graduate students there, there, there sometimes there are competitions and we we tend to I mean I, I used to tend my uh, used to compare my 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 internal, if you will, to people's external. yes, right? Yes. So I see somebody happy and bubbly and saying how much they love graduate school. And I was just just screaming inside like I don't I can't connect. I don't feel like I belong. And it would it, be years later where I would, you know, have the conversation with that person that I'm thinking of. And they said, oh, they hated it. They just hated every minute of it. But they were doing that to just to convince themselves to just keep going.
0: Yeah. yes yeah. I love that comparing your own internal to others external that, that that's really yeah I'm writing that one down I'm, I'm putting it above <laughs> my computer but I think I think there also there has been some kind of it's kind of a around hasn't there in terms of oh I've been so productive and I've spent my time and it's kind of actually as you say people are just finding their own way through mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and I keep saying to people, you know, you're writing a chapter of what it's like to do a PhD in a pan, in a pandemic. Like that will become part of your work, oh, that yeah. will become part of your writing. Um, mm-hmm. And and it will be richer for it of kind of what does that mean for you as a researcher, you know, especially in mm-hmm. the humanities in, in terms of the way in which the work is impacted in terms of accessing, you know, perhaps accessing... Um, uh, people to interview or accessing practical work that that actually this is this is part of your inquiry and to kind of welcome that if you possibly can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but this is so, so helpful in terms of, of of having an understanding and being able to contextualize that um yeah so and,
1: and and also to have to I mean I remember the first time somebody pointed pointed to me that I was experiencing traumatic. I was having a traumatic reaction and they said just very just ever so gently that um, <clears throat> my brain was, was preoccupied with, with survival mm-hmm. and and because i was thinking like did i just become lazy did i just become stupid did i and it was just all this internalizing and this deficit approach to why am i not producing why am i not uh, retaining information and it, when when the person pointed to me what was happening i had that sigh of relief that oh my goodness you mean this is normal this is yeah, a typical yeah. response and and i I think this is when I began to have empathy and compassion with myself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, so I offered these webinars and I offered them for students, not so they could walk away thinking, I'm never gonna learn anything, or you know, it's it's just give me a free ride. No, absolutely not. It's so it's to empower them with the knowledge of how we learn. How, what, what makes learning possible or, or, or not possible so they could begin to, to, to not judge themselves and also to regulate their emotional response to stress.
0: Yes, and I, th- I think that's so important for PhD students in particular too because these are the people who quite often have sailed through undergraduate, maybe even master's as well, and mm-hmm. and now perhaps a finding that's where their identity is in terms of being a good learner, being able to process mm-hmm. information, and and this is is really proving truly challenging because they're not able to to do the thing that is central for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But to but to understand and to take that invitation that you're offering in terms of kind of going, this is understanding yourself in a deeper way. Yeah. And yeah this having compassion for yourself and knowing that this will this will expand your capacity to learn because you'll be able to as you say regulate mm-hmm. um, and that is truly a gift you don't mm-hmm. it, in terms of it, it it will enable you to get a bit bigger
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and you know I mean this is what um the um the Irish poet and philosopher um John O'Donohue, he oh, talks about him. yeah, yeah, I, I've been sitting with him a lot, just reading yeah. Anamkara and listening to his uh, speeches and um, teachings. And he talks about cultivating a pedagogy of interiority this what does it what mm. does it mean or what does it look like to feel comfortable with home within and and how that becomes an anchor? So part of this work is, is not so I could give a checklist of do's and don'ts. We, we could. I mean, we have suggestions and we learn from each other. I think more importantly for me is how do we, how do I empower my students to, um, to pay attention to what comes up? You know, the mm-hmm. feelings, the agitations, the emotions, and also what can we learn from it? How can we regulate it? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm thinking of of um, Khalil Gibran's poem on pain. Mm-hmm. He says, pain is the shell that engulfs our understanding. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, so I think it's it's an opportunity to when a student says to me, for example, I can't, I I I don't know where to start. I I can't I can't express myself, and there is that fear then that did I become just inarticulate, and we begin to dissect that. You know what does that mean, and and where does your your voice come from, and so on. It's a lot more powerful than just a set of um a list of things to do or not do mm. does that does
0: that make sense makes absolute sense and i think that this often is the surprise of the of the phd journey is that actually you will get to know yourself mm-hmm. um in a in a different way and it the phd will bring up all sorts of things mm-hmm. to your attention some of which you may not want to face or maybe difficult to face um But actually working through that, finding out about yourself um, Mm -hmm. in a new and deeper way, that is that's that's a that's a real gift. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: So, yes, that makes absolute sense. And I think that, of course, that the moment that we find ourselves in is is strange and scary and accentuates all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. But also, I guess, has the same kind of gift in it too (laughs) Um, yeah
1: yeah and I mean the the graduate students are also they are also um, perhaps friends and partners and parents and and siblings and um, part of this work when I speak with teachers when I speak with students is that if we want to help others it's really important that we help ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so if I want to help my students or my family calm their nervous system down, my nervous system has to be calmed down also.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so in a way, um, it's, it's – it's, um, if I have a commitment to serve my community – um, i also have a commitment to to my own well-being so i could continue to serve
0: gorgeous gorgeous thank you so much <laughs> well I, I know i know you are serving so many people and thank you for these thoughts today which i know will be really really useful for people mm-hmm. um and then always at the end i ask a very unfair question really <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of a, of a kind of top tip, having said, as you j- have just so eloquently said, you know, tips and things aren't really aren't really useful. But I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you one, for one, anyway, in terms of one thing, either to kind of recapitulate something you've already said, or one idea to leave with people. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, one thing. So. You know what's coming to me right now is Thomas Merton says we lose ourselves in art and we find ourselves in art. Mm-hmm. And um and I think um art transcends the uncertainty and ambiguity and fear and and so one thing that I have been trying to be intentional to do is to engage in something that, that cultivate my sense of wonder that, um, whether it is art with my hands or music or something that, that gives me, gives me that feeling of this is beautiful and, and this is wonderful, um, it's we know that the brain loves that, loves the creativity and the beauty, and it helps us integrate. So I would say, I would say, engage either individually or collectively in in the arts, in the music, in colors and um, tunes and smells and things that remind us that we are alive
0: love that cultivating a sense of wonder that's so beautiful Mm. thank you so much Maze, for your for your time for your wisdom um and thank you all for listening and i will speak to you next time